Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. The Riley and Kimmy Show. The Streets of San Francisco. A Quinn Martin production. Starring Carl Malden. Also starring... Jeremy! I got one thing! Jeremy! Tonight's episode, Mr. Nobody. And that is who I am. Welcome to this episode number 1,224. It is a Monday. I am your host, Patrick Riley. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Hi. Hi there. Thank you for checking out the Riley and Kimmy show. I'm glad you chose us on this Monday. And if you met us maybe for the very first time in Daytona Beach at the Daytona Beach Comic Book Convention, thank you for stopping by and Thank you for giving this show a listen, right, Kimmy? That's right. And be sure to tell your friends you found a place that offers pop culture escapism every single day, a variety nerd talk show. And by the way, check out our event page at RileyandKimmy.com to find out the next place we will be at. One of the places we're going to be at real soon is Free Comic Book Day. Mm-hmm. And we'll have more information about that coming up. On upcoming episodes of the Riley and Kimmy Show, and be sure to find out more on our Facebook page. Right? Mm-hmm. It's going to be a really big free comic book day. It's going to be huge. Should I should I reveal it now, or should we wait a little bit? Well, let's wait. You think? Yeah. Really? Okay. Well, make sure you check out our website, the event page. Find all the locations. We're updating it often. Still having to put down some of the 2018 things. I was talking to somebody previously. Oh, a few days ago who's talking to us about, or me, I was representing you, Kimmy, Mm. about some 2018 events. Really? Yes. It's really cool. And if you have an upcoming pop culture event you want the Riley and Kimmy show at, you feel free to contact us through our website or Facebook page. Or you have an animal event you would like us to promote and be part of, we are available for that, for dogs and cats and other animals, because we have Animal Special, which you can find out more about Animal Special at Animal Special's website, animalspecial.com. Also, a Facebook page dedicated just to Animal Special. And Animal Special has information about animals, all kinds too, right? Wild, Mm -hmm. also pets and things like that. That's right. So be sure to tell your friends about that. And Kimmy, I have a question for you on this Monday. If you are rested up enough from the Daytona Beach Comic Book Convention, would you like to play Nerd and Pop Culture Geek Trivia? Oh, I'll do it. You, you want to? I'll, I'll, I'll give it my best shot. It is a Monday, April 24th. We're, we're, we're getting ready to ask Kimmy some questions. Now, by the way, the timeline has been adjusted, Kimmy. It is all over the place. It's scattered, just like I am, just like my mind, just, just like I think. It's all over the place. So good luck in getting some of the answers because it's not in chronological or linear order. Feel free to shout out those answers too, Kimmy. You know, yell at whatever uh, computing device you're listening to the Riley and Kimmy show on because we are mobile. We are global. You can take us anywhere on planet Earth. So feel free to shout out those answers, Kimmy. She thinks she actually gets them through the time vortex. I I believe her. 
Sometimes she pulls out some numbers or dates or names that I don't know how she knows them. She has to have your help. It has to work that way. Here we go. It is a Monday, April 24th. The very first question we have for you, Kimmy, it kind of combines science with pop culture. We're going to talk about photography. Kimmy, it was on this date. Eastman Kodak was founded by George Eastman. Give me the year this happened. And the company Eastman Kodak came to be, you know, the camera people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you a chance here. I'm going to make it fair. Was it 1888, 1908, 1928, or 1938 that Eastman Kodak came to be? 1888. You got that exactly right. So on this date, 1800, the Library of Congress was established with a $5,000 allocation. It was on this date in 1833, a patent was granted for the first soda fountain. Now, have you ever been to anywhere that had a soda fountain, one of those classic Things. No, Mm-mm. you know, like you saw in uh, "It's a Wonderful Life," you know. Uh, yeah, no. Nope. Never been anywhere. I don't think so. Never, never were served anything on one of those. Uh-uh. Okay, I've never, I've never been around one either. I've seen them displayed, like a nice, but not had something from it, you know, where it was functioning or anything. Hmm. So on this date, 1913, the skyscraper, the Woolworth Building in New York City, was opened, and it became the world's tallest building. That was at that time in 1913. 1953, Winston Churchill was knighted by Queen Elizabeth I. It was 1955, X-1. A science fiction show was first heard for the very first time on NBC Radio. The year, Kimmy, is 1961. Sandy Colfax struck out 18 batters, becoming the first major league pitcher to do so on two different occasions what team did sandy koufax play for when this happened the year is 1961 houston astros he was on the los angeles dodgers Mm. so on this date 1961 this president accepted sole responsibility following the bay of pigs invasion in cuba who is the president jfk that's correct 1962, MIT sent a TV signal by satellite for the very first time. It was 1961. Bob Dylan earned $50, $50 for playing harmonica on Harry Belafonte's Midnight Special. It was his recording debut. Mm. 1968, Apple Records. You know who they were, right? Mm -hmm. You know who owned them, right? Mm -hmm. Apple Records, right? Mm -hmm. They refused to sign David Bowie. The years, wow. 1968. The year, 1974. We have a music question for you, Kimmy. 1974, this person releases this song. That is the title track to the album. They actually released the album. The album, well, the single fails to break the top 100 in the United States. But this person would make it part of his tour in 1974. He would perform it on stage a lot. See if you can identify who it is. The song is Diamond Dogs. Fame would be just around the corner for him. Can you David I- Bowie? <laughs> oh, 
Oh, she picked up on that clue. Yes, we could do a mind reading act with that one. Yes, Kimmy, it was David Boy. He released Diamond Dogs, 1974. 1977. The Talking Heads began their first European tour supporting the Ramones. It was on this date, 1984. Jerry Lee Lewis married his sixth wife. It was on this date, 1985. RKO home video released six black and white film classics starring Fred Astaire. 1992, David Bowie marries whom? Who is the model that he marries? Iman. That's correct. The wedding was announced about a week later. That's 1992. The year is 2000. ABC TV aired the TV movie The Three Stooges. Did you watch that? No. What's wrong with you? Um, I don't know. Hmm. It was on this date in 2013. Actress and director Melissa Gilbert at the age of 48 weds actor Timothy Busfield. He was 55. Moving over to notable birthdays, Kimmy. Tell me how old this person is. She starred as the love interest in The Apartment. Remember that movie? Mm-hmm. Do you know who she is? Shirley MacLaine. Yes. You got that. Tell me how old she is within five. 85. She's 83 today. So you get that within five. Actress Jill Ireland, I won't ask you about her because I'm sure you don't know who that is, was born in the state in 1936, died in 1990 at the age of 54. She was an English actress and singer best known for her many films with her second husband, Charles Bronson. Hmm. Singer, having a birthday, actress, first known as a singer, then actress. Identify who this person is. Here's your audio clue. Like the corners of my mind. And because of that song, many yearbooks would have that as part of their uh, title and their you know photo pages and stuff like that. Because of the success of that song, a number one hit for whom? Barbara Streisand. Yes, and how old is she today? Within five years. Seventy-eight. She's 75. Have you ever watched her in any movies? Mm-hmm. You, you, okay. I, I didn't know if you'd ever seen her in anything, if you actually watched mm-hmm. her in anything. Mm-hmm. Next person, Kimmy, actor, also a dancer, but you don't know him for that, appeared in many odd roles. He was on Law & Order Criminal Intent. He played the captain of the, uh, of the division there. He was Captain Danny Ross in that series. But I know him for something that you know him for, a certain movie he did back in 1988 about radio. Tell me who he is. He starred in Oliver Stone's Talk Radio. You're on me every night like a pack of wolves because you can't stand facing what you are and what you've made. Yes, the world is a terrible place. Yes, cancer and garbage disposals will get you. Yes, a war is coming. Yes, the world is shut to hell and you're all goners. Everything's screwed up and you like it that way, don't you? You're fascinated by the gory details. You're mesmerized by your own fear. You revel in in floods, car accidents, unstoppable diseases. You're happiest when others are in pain. Kimmy, who is that actor? 
Oh, I can see him, but I can't tell you his name. You can't tell me his name at all? You, you liked him on Law & Order, too. Mm-hmm. Remember the movie Talk Radio? Oh, yeah. yeah. Remember Alec Baldwin played his boss in that? Very mm-hmm. small role for Alec Baldwin. Mm-hmm. Eric Bogosian starred in Talk Radio. How old is he today within five years, Kimmy? Seventy. Mm, He's 64 today. And by the way, the movie Talk Radio, based on a book, Talked to Death, about Alan Berg. It's based a little bit on the talk show host, Alan Berg, who was in Denver, who was shot to death. And it's also based on Bob Lasseter, talk show host from Tampa Bay, who went to WLS Chicago. Mannerisms of the character in the uh, talk radio that Eric played, he had, he adapted from, from Lasseter certain things, way he smoked the cigarette, the, the way he held syllables, way he handled callers and things, and also the self-destructive personal behavior because Lassiter walked away from a major syndication deal right at the last minute. It was set to go, and he he tanked it. He would go on to, like, WLS and stuff, but he totally botched the network, and that was kind of used part of the script. They fused the two characters together. Another birthday on this date. Cedric the Entertainer won't ask you. He's 53, an American actor, comedian, director, and game show host. He's best known for co-starring with Steve Harvey on the WB sitcom The Steve Harvey Show, and he hosted the 12th season of the daytime version of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, 2013 to 2014. Did you ever watch that? Mm-mm. I don't, neither did I. Next person, birthday today. Kimmy, tell me who she is. Is. Are you ready for your audio clue? Mm-hmm. Well, there is none. Tell me who she is from this clue. Are you ready? Yes. Singer, the first American Idol participant to win a Grammy Award. Who is she? That would be Kelly Clarkson. That's right. Having a birthday today. How old is she within two years? 32. She is 34 today. I think he did it there. You got it within two, right? Mm-hmm. 32, 30. Okay. Moving over to another section of trivia today. I see. It is Notable Deaths. This person passed away in 1997, died at the age of 70. American comedian, Kimmy. And he ran for president quite a few times. He did it sort of as a joke. He wasn't really being serious, but he he got votes, actually. People voted for him. Ran in 1968, 1972, 1980, 1988, 1992, 1996. And way back, like I think 72 baseball cards set. They had presidential candidate cards. They had everybody who was running for president and little bios and stuff on them. Mm-hmm. Also got a stick of horrible gum with it. He was included in that. Mm. Kind of wish I had those cards. That'd be kind of fun. See if you can identify who he is. He was known for being on the Smothers Brothers. I'm very excited to be here. <laughs> 20-year reunion show with my close personal friends, Tom and Dave Smothers. <laughs> I'd like to talk about the challenges we face in this election year. As I travel this great land, I hear complaints about auto workers being laid off, cheap imports, steel mills closing, the garment industry dead, foreclosures of farms, the homeless, pollution, problems of the age of the threat of age, child abuse, Middle East, Nicaragua, etc., etc. I hear these rumblings of discontent everywhere I go. And you know what I think? I think America ought to just shut up. <laughs> Who is he, Kimmy? Can you tell me who that comedian is and actually presidential candidate quite a few times? I don't know. That's Pat Paulson. 
who passed away on this date in 1997. Yes, he was he was very popular. Kimmy's like, who on earth was that? I yeah. don't know. Well, I know because of your age, meaning she's too young, you never watched the Smothers Brothers, so I know you, you don't know what that is or who that was, correct? Mm-hmm. Kimmy, I think you did a great job being a Monday. I think you did great with trivia today. Thank you for listening to the Riley and Kimmy show. By the way, we're going to, well, we're going to focus on something from trivia that we talked to Kimmy about with the golden age of radio. Radio was new. Radio. Someone still loves you. And that's the Riley and Kimmy show. Now, earlier we talked about a certain science fiction thing that came to be on this date in history. It was 1955 X-1 made its debut. It was first heard... On NBC Radio, this thing inspired so many shows on television. There's no question. It had great writers on it as well, one of them being Ray Bradbury. X-1, even though it came to be towards the very end of the golden age of radio, it did not slack in any way with special effects and other forms of ear candy. Great writing, great performances, fantastic actors... It was just all packaged very well, and it was ahead of its time in ways, but also came a little bit too late. It would have been fantastic maybe 10 years before, and would have had a real long run. But we have two examples of X-1, the first one being the very first episode titled No Contact. Then uninterrupted, we go into episode number two called The Parade. That aired for the very first time on May 1st, 1955. Kicking it off with that very first episode of X-1. Here's No Contact on the Riley and Kimmy Show. Countdown for blast off. X-5, minus 4, minus 3, minus 2, X-1. Fire. From the far horizons of the unknown come tales of new dimensions in time and space. These are stories of the future, adventures in which you'll live in a million could-be years on a thousand maybe worlds. The National Broadcasting Company presents X minus one. Tonight's story, No Contact. It was in the year of 1982 that spacemen first discovered the Great Galactic Barrier. In the past ten years, rocket travel to the moon and the nearer planets had become commonplace. And then men fixed their sights on a more distant star, the remote planet known as Volta. Five exploratory ships went out, and none came back, each in turn disappearing mysteriously at the same vanishing point, at an invisible wall somewhere in the vast outer reaches that became known as the Wrecker of Spaceships. 
the Galactic Reef. And yet, the explorers refused to admit defeat. It was on June the 2nd, 1987, that the rocket Star Cloud made ready for takeoff, the sixth to attempt to crack the barrier and win through to Volta. I'll hear this. Condition green. Two minutes to blast off. Condition green. Two minutes to blast off. Well, Lewis, this is it. I don't suppose you'll be needing the ship's doctor up here on the bridge during blast off. I think not, Smitty. There's little chance of acceleration bends in these new overdrive ships. I'll be in my office then, counting vitamin pills if you need me. It's only a few steps. Good luck, Lewis. Thank you, Smitty. Uh, Lieutenant Collier. Uh, yes, sir. You're relieved. You'd better get down to navigation control and take over. Yes, sir. Uh, Lieutenant. Yes, sir. We've never flown together before. This is your first flight in a space vessel as big as the Star Cloud. Yes, sir, but I was trained in oversized jobs at the Naval Academy. Well, if you're half as good a navigator as your father was, you'll do fine. Thank you, sir. Did you ship out with my father? I served under him on one of the first rocket runs to the moon. I see. I almost went along on his last trip to the barrier. Um, too bad about that. Yes, sir. That's all, Collier. Paulison. Get me the ground control tower on the field. I want to talk to Colonel Harrison. Yes, sir. Go ahead, sir. I patched in the bridge speaker. Colonel Harrison? Yes, Captain? We're standing by for takeoff in 30 seconds. Good. The field's cleared of all personnel. We'll try to reestablish radio contact immediately after takeoff. In any event, there'll be a 24-hour ground monitor. Fine. Good luck. Hope you make it. Thank you. Bridge to navigation control. Have control. Call you up. Ready, Lieutenant? This is in the integrator for takeoff at 1,200 hours. All right. Stand by for blastoff. Bridge to engine room. Fire up your rocket chambers. Take off at exactly 1,200 hours. I'll read you off. 20 seconds. 19. 18. 17. 16. Hold it. Revoke all orders. Who turned in that alarm? This is Paulson, sir. We've uncovered a stowaway. Stowaway? Where? Have him brought up to the bridge. Engine room, kill your rockets and stand by. Thorson, this is Colonel Harrison in ground control. What's holding you up? Trouble. What's the matter with you? What's the matter with you? There's a stowaway aboard. Stowaway? Yes, I thought your men were supposed to police this base. What's the All matter right, with you? Captain, take it easy. You know what this delay can do to us, don't you? One minute later, takeoff can throw us a million miles off course. We'll have to reintegrate the whole works. Well, look, how long do you think it'll take Don't to... bother for me for a while. I'm busy. Stupid idiot. Captain Thorson? Yes, come in, Smitty. Here's your story. I'll court-martial the... Oh, Charlie. Can you use a good radio man, Skipper? Well, I see you two have met. Met? Skipper and me made 50 trips to the moon together. Didn't we, Skipper? Charlie, if you wanted to come along, why didn't you volunteer? I did, Skipper. They they turned me down. Well, what's wrong with you? Acceleration bends. They said my arteries wouldn't stand another trip. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. But they're wrong, Skipper. I, I got one more good trip in me. Listen, Skipper, you, you you know that these green kids, they don't know the first thing about space radio operation. Now, you, you put a man like me on and out, I'll be getting you bedtime stories from Mars. Charlie, you know the regulations as well as I do. I can't take you much as I'd like to. Colonel Harrison will murder me for this. Well, I'm sorry, Charlie. I'll have you put a ground. I'll tell you what, I'll ask Harrison to put you on his ground radio contact, and it'll seem as if you're right here with us. He won't do it, sir. Well, he'd better. I'll have him busted to Corporal for letting you sneak aboard. Look, Charlie, you, 
Look, you'd better be off. Uh, Pollison. Yes, sir. I'm sending this man aground. Give him time to clear the launching platform. Yes, sir. So long, Charlie. I'm I'm sorry. Good luck, Skipper. I thought you were going to have him drawn and quartered. If it had been anyone else, I would have, Smitty. But Charlie, well, he's kind of special. He's been with me since my first command when we began the regular run to the moon. And if he wanted to come along this time, well, it's only through loyalty to me. You know, Lewis, I didn't realize it before, but you're almost human. Captain Dawson, Nav Control, call you. Oh, yes, Lieutenant. Uh, how badly are we fouled up? Can you recalculate the course, or shall I cancel the takeoff? I've already plotted a new course on the integrator, sir. If we take off in exactly 30 seconds, we'll need to correct for only a one-degree deflection. I can do that before we breach the stratosphere. That's quick work. Are you sure? Yes, sir. Positive, sir. All right, Collier. I'm putting it in your hands. We'll blast off on your signal. Bridge to engine room. Prepare to blast off on navigator's signal. <laughs> How are we doing, Collier? Coming on the bearing, sir. That's four, three, two, zero. We've intersected the course vector. Good work, Collier. Course is corrected, sir. We're ready to go into atomic overdrive any time you say. All right. Stand by. Yes, sir. Now hear this. Now hear this. Prepare for maximum acceleration. Bridge to engine room. Kill your rockets. Rockets out. Fire up number one cyclotron. Number one ready. Fire up number two. Number two ready. Withdraw your dampening rods. Mission chamber ready. Blast tubes cleared. All generators operating at capacity. Take it over, sir. Go into overdrive at the count of zero. Three seconds, Mr. Collier. Three, two, two, one. One. Zero. Zero. How are we doing, Collier? On course, sir. She's running hot and true. My compliments, Lieutenant. This job would have done your father credit, and he was the best navigation officer I ever saw. Oh, thank you, sir. Start your gyros. Put her on robot control. All right, the bridge is yours, Mr. Collier. If you need me, I'll be in Dr. Smithson's office. Yes, sir. Well, Lewis, I see you've got us off the ground. You can thank young Collier for that. Chip off the old block. You knew his father? As a matter of fact, I knew him very well. First-rate spaceman. Oh, is he the one yes, who... Yes, yes. He was lost in the galactic barrier on the second ship we sent out to Volta. Lewis, just what do you think this galactic barrier is? Oh, your guess is as good as mine, Doc. All I know is that five ships have gone into it, and none of them have come back out. You think it's a nit? How about Mestrovic's theory that it's a time warp in space? That the ships reach it and slip into another dimension? I think that's a lot of rubbish. My theory is that the galactic barrier is nothing more than a radioactive layer of some kind. Why do you say that? Well, we know that radar signals bounce off it like they were hitting an invisible glass wall. And we know that it destroys our ships and crews in some way. There's no other logical explanation. What makes you think we can get through it, Lewis? Because we're ready for it. The others weren't. The entire hull of this ship is completely shielded with lead. 
We can crack through any radioactive cloud ever detected. Besides, we're equipped with some new UHF radio devices that should enable us to maintain radio contact with Earth. Nothing can happen. Absolutely nothing. Now, who are you trying to convince? <laughs> well, myself, I suppose. Lewis, you've had your share of glory. First skipper to reach the moon back in 1962. You could have retired. Why are you risking this trip? Five ships are missing. Men like Prentice, Margotson, young Collier's father. I'm tired of seeing good men fed into that meat chopper. Then why are we going to Volta? We haven't any choice, Smitty. We're in a race, the kind of race where men and ships are expendable. According to the Interspace Code, the First Nation to reach Volta can claim it. Well, personally, I want no part of it. Now, Doc. I'll have to play physician, morale builder, and mother substitute for 112 slightly nervous men. Well, your morale doesn't sound too good, Doc. As morale officer, I can state without fear of contradiction, it is terrible. And something tells me as we approach that galactic barrier, I'm not going to be alone. Hello, Earth. Hello, Earth. Captain Thorson of the Star Cloud calling Earth. Hello, Star Cloud. Hi, Captain. Charlie. Well, I see they haven't court-martialed you yet. No, sir. Thanks to you. Well, it's good to hear you. You can read us the funny papers on Sunday morning. All right. Now, how's our signal? Strong. Clear as a bell. Now, here's our log report for Colonel Harrison. You ready? Shoot. June 2nd, 1987. Four weeks out from Earth. Running through. No radiation. Operation normal. Still making our approach to the galactic barrier. That's all, Charlie. See you later. Good luck, Captain. I sure wish I was with you. How's the morale, Smitty? The men know we're getting closer to the barrier. They're beginning to show a little tension, Lewis. Well, how's their physical condition? Any sickness? About half the crew has come down with space blues. Ah, I was afraid of that. Are they bad? Same as usual. Lips and hands with a bluish cast. Eyes are sensitive to infrareds. I don't know. When I first started flying these tin cans, nobody ever heard of space blues. Well, now there's a theory it's caused by the terrific acceleration of atomic overdrive. Change in gravity affects the circulation. Hmm. What do you think? I think it's psychosomatic. I've noticed that the same men who get space blues under tension on a ship tend to get blue coloration back on Earth when they're upset. I guess it's just an occupational disease of space nerves. Uh-huh. You think it's just uh, nerves, then? Well, young Collier's got a bad case. I, I think it's tension from overwork. Maybe he needs some vitamins. Lewis, when will you realize that vitamins are not a panacea for all the troubles of mankind? Sir, I understand that you've relieved me from duty. Well, Dr. Smithson says you aren't looking very well, Collier. I'm giving you a rest. Sir, I feel perfectly able to continue. Your lips are as blue as Minnetonka. Captain, I'd like to remain at my post. Don't be foolhardy, Lieutenant. I'm not being foolhardy, sir. I have a special personal reason for wanting this expedition to reach Volta. Your father? Yes, sir. You think he might still be alive? I have to find out what happened, sir. I I, I think I understand. Very well, Collier. Report back to duty. 
What's the reading, Paulison? Uh, we're getting a plus five radar bounce now. Coming off the barrier almost as fast as we sent it out. What's the interval? Two seconds. Shortening steadily. This rate will hit the wall in the next few minutes. All right. Alert the crew. Sound general quarters. Now hear this. Condition red. We are now approaching the galactic barrier. All hands to stations. All radiation detectors to be fully manned. Full security will prevail until further notice. That is all. Uh, Paulison. Yes, sir? The radar bounces up to plus six. We'd better try to make final contact with Earth. Is Spark still trying to raise the base? Uh, yes, sir, but he's not having much luck. Huh? Seems to be some interference. Uh, that's the radio room now. Yes? You got him? Well, cut in on the bridge speaker. Captain will take it from here. Hello? Star Cloud to Earth. Can you hear me, Earth? Hello, Skipper. I can barely read you. We're getting heavy static from sunspots. That's not sunspots, Charlie. We're right on top of the galactic barrier. Getting a plus... No, a plus seven radar bounce. Expect to hit the barrier almost any second now. Good luck, Skipper. If we crack the barrier and come through still in one piece, I'll try to get back to you on the high frequency band. Got you, Skipper. Don't worry. I'll be waiting. So long, Charlie. So long, Star Cloud. Must be getting awfully close now, Captain. Echo's bouncing back so fast, it's almost beating the signal. Well, when they go inside, hold on to your hat. That's when we run into the wall. Any second. Hold on. Well, here goes nothing. Here it comes. Captain. <laughs> nothing happened. We, we made it. We made it, Captain. No radiation, no time warp, no nothing. Now, the, the crew's gone crazy, sir. Let them. They've earned it. Doc, can you break out a few bottles of snake bite serum for medicinal purposes? I sure can, Lord. This calls for a celebration. How's your morale now? It couldn't be better. How's yours? It couldn't be better. Condition red. Condition, Condition red. red. Radiation detected. Condition red. Radiation detected. Holy mackerel. Look at the needle on that indicator. Paulison. Paulison. Yes, I see it, Captain. Picking radiation like crazy. What's it like? Well, it's a strong impulse. What kind? I don't know. It's too long for a cosmic ray, too short for UHF. Whatever it is, sir, the ship is lousy. We'll track it down, triangulate it, and make it fast. I want a directional fix. Yes, sir. Engine room. Yes, sir. We're picking up radioactivity. Is the fission chambers? No leak here, sir. Check your gauges. Nothing here, Captain. Must be coming from outside. Damage control. Is our lead shield leaking radiation? Well, keep at it. Paulison, how are you doing? I've got a fix, Captain. Well, what is it? Well, I'll have to recheck my figures. Well, hurry it up. Angle is correct, but now, I... Come I on, don't... man, for Pete's sake. Where's the radiation coming from? Sir, it's... It's coming from inside the ship. Oh, that's impossible. No, sir, I've checked it twice. Well, it's got to be the engines, then. If it is, sir, we're finished. Engine room. Yes, sir. That radiation must be in the overdrive pile. No, sir, it isn't here, sir. Are you certain? Yes, sir. All right, keep checking. Well, there's only one thing left to do. Paulison, get a Geiger counter. We're going to start combing this ship inch by inch. Yes, sir. All right, turn it on. Yes, sir. All right. Ready, Captain. We'll check the atomic guns first. Come on. We'll uh, cut through the officer's quarters here to ordnance. Now turn here. Oh, wait a minute, sir. Huh? What is it? The signal's weaker now. Yeah. Let's go back. 
Hold it. Hold it. Seems strongest right about here. Well, doesn't make sense. Whose cabin is this? Lieutenant Collier's. Collier? Oh, he's down in the nap control, sir. Oh, I'll try the door. Well, it's not locked, sir. Oh, it's in here, all right. Listen to that counter. Strongest over here. Open that wall cabinet. It's locked, I'll sir. I'll smash it. Shut off that Geiger counter. Now, what do you make of this, Paulus? Well, it looks like some sort of portable transmitter, sir. Must be foreign manufacture. I, I, I don't recognize the calibration symbols at all. I, I, I've never seen anything like it. Which raises a small question. What is Lieutenant Collier doing with a transmitter in his cabin? I don't know, sir. Well, I intend to find out, Paulison. Get down to nav control and bring Collier up to the bridge on the double. Well, hadn't we better find some way to shut this thing off first? Uh, I know a way. <laughs> Lieutenant Collier, I'm going to ask a few simple questions, and I want a few simple answers. Yes, sir. What were you doing with a transmitter in your cabin? Transmitter, Captain? Oh, you know nothing about it. Oh, no, sir, I don't. Do you recognize these calibration symbols? No, sir. Can you think of how it might have been placed in your cabin without your knowing it? No, sir, unless someone came in while I was on duty. Would that have been possible? Well, I suppose so, if someone had a key. I found your cabin door unlocked. Well, I meant a key to the wall cabinet. I... I didn't say the wall cabinet. Well, I... Uh... You what, Lieutenant? How could you have known it was in the wall cabinet? Well, I just assumed, sir. Lieutenant Collier, I find it hard to believe you would lie. Having known and respected your father. Having observed the way you handle your job. However, I intend to get to the root of this thing. May I have your wristwatch, Lieutenant? Sir? Your wristwatch. Yes, sir. Paulison, turn on that Geiger counter. Yes, sir. Hold this watch next to it. Yes, sir. That's all. Lieutenant, if you hadn't any close contact with that transmitter, how do you explain the radioactivity of this watch? Well, I... I don't, sir. I think you'd better. To whom were you sending those signals? Condition red! Condition red! There's your answer, Captain. What is this, Collier? Alien spaceship approach! Alien spaceship approach! Collier, who's aboard that ship? All right, now talk! Very well, Captain. My mission seems completed. Your mission? Are you admitting that you're an agent of a foreign power? I'm stating it. What nation? No nation, Captain. What? I am an agent of the Voltan government. Oh, what? The government of the planet of Voltan. You're crazy. Are you so stupid, Captain? Did you think your people are the only ones who can invade another planet? What do you mean? We've had agents operating on Earth since 1945. I don't believe you. What do you think happened to those five ships, Captain? Where do you suppose we got our information? Your language, your culture, family background. Your appearance, you, you, you look like... Like Commander Collier? Well, is that so surprising, Captain? You see, Captain, we had a living model. I ought to kill you. That would be very foolish, Captain. I would advise you to surrender without delay. Alien ship now coming in range. I'll deal with you later, Collier Paulison. Yes, sir. Put this man in irons. Take him away. Don't worry, sir. We'll take good care of him. Carpenter, Robinson. Gunnery. Gunnery, Richardson. What's the range? 10,000 meters. They're closing fast. Put your guns on radar tracking. Tracking. Coming on the bearing. 
Fire. Fire, Richardson. Richardson, did you hear me? Fire! What's the matter down there? Did you hear me? Richardson, answer me. It's no what? use to shout, Captain. Collier, how did you get loose? Where's Paulison? Lieutenant Paulison is dead. All stations! Lieutenant Collier has escaped! Seize men! Don't waste your breath. Your men can't hear you, Captain. What? Those still alive are my men. You're lying! No, Captain. Every ship that has ever left Earth was controlled by a Voltan crew. That's impossible. Those were hand-picked men. Hand-picked by us. I don't believe you. No? Then why not call for help? Carpenter, Robinson, Haley, report. You see, Captain? Carpenter, Robinson, Haley! It's quite useless, Captain. I would advise you to sit very quietly and do nothing. Very well, Collier. Your weakness. What now? The ship will be taken to Volta for, shall we say, further experimentation. I see. Of course, there's one thing you hadn't counted on. Just what is that, Captain? Carpenter! Are you in there, Lieutenant Carpenter? Can't all be dead. There must be one alive. Smitty, Dr. Smithson! Smitty! Smitty, what have they done to him? Lewis, oh, I... dirty. I, I, I don't talk. I must lean... Lean closer. It's not much time. Lewis, space blues. Space blues? What is it, Smitty? What are you trying to tell me? All men with space blues... Voltans. Hello, let me help you. Oh, Lewis, get message back to Earth. Voltan, fifth column. Watch out for space. Smitty. Oh, Smitty. Captain Thorson. Captain Thorson, you can't hide from us now. Come back to the bridge and surrender. Or my men will come and get you. Hello. Hello. Star Cloud calling Earth. Oh, please, God, let me get through before it's too late. Hello. Star Cloud to Earth. Come in, please. Come in, please. Hello. Hello. Star Cloud to Earth. Captain Thorson calling. Charlie, come in, please. Hurry. Hello. Oh, hello. Can you hear me, Charlie? Skipper, is that you? Are you getting my signal? It's coming in a little louder now, Skip. Keep sending. My God, now look, Charlie, listen to me. Not much time. Get word to Colonel Harrison. Crew mutinied. Most of crew members, Fultons. What? Fultons. Spell that. V-O-L. Fultons. That's right. They're from the planet Volta. Skipper, Skipper, are you all right? Now, Charlie, this is serious. They'll be here any second. Now, listen, they have a fifth column on Earth. They're planning to invade you. You mean it? Of course I mean it. Tell Harrison, posing as humans. You can detect them by space blues. You got that only Fultons get space blue. 
Charlie, did you hear me? Space blue. I get you. They're breaking in, Charlie. I'm defending you. Warn everybody. Captain. They've they opened the door. So long, Charlie. Tell her. Captain. <laughs> Captain Thorson. Hello. Hello, Star Cloud. What's the trouble, Sergeant? I was just trying to raise a Star Cloud, Colonel. I had any luck? No, sir. No contact. No contact, eh? No, sir. Nearly an hour since they hit the galactic barrier. I don't understand why they haven't tried to get a message back. No, sir. Neither do I. Oh, all right. I'll take over for a while. Yes, you you do that, sir. It's all yours. Right. Oh, and Charlie, uh, you better go out and get yourself some coffee. You look a little blue around the gills. Tonight, X-1 has brought you No Contact, written by George Lefferts from an original story of Lefferts and Ernest Kenoy. Featured in the cast were Louis Van Ruten as Captain, Donald Buca as Collier, Wendell Holmes as Charlie, and Bill Griffiths, Bill Smith, Matt Crowley, and Ken Williams. Your announcer, Don Pardo. X-1 was directed by Fred Way and is a transcribed NBC Radio Network production. Countdown for a blast off. X minus five, minus four, minus three, minus two, X minus one. Fire. From the far horizons of the unknown come transcribed tales of new dimensions in time and space. These are stories of the future. Adventures in which you'll live in a million could-be years on a thousand maybe worlds. The National Broadcasting Company presents X minus one. If you wanted to take over our world with a minimum amount of resistance and trouble, how would you go about it? Tonight we'll tell you how with a strange and chilling story by George Lefferts, The Parade. You are Mr. Sid Ryan. The same. My name is Luchar. I am a Martian. Ah, pleased to meet you, Mr. Lu... Uh, what was that again? A Martian. As in Orson Welles? Precisely. <laughs> I'm a Rotarian myself. Sit down. Thank you. Uh, now that we've had our little joke, Mr. Luchar, what can Publicity Associates do for you? I am interested in obtaining publicity. It has been my observation that advertising and publicity are the very backbone of earthly civilization. Spoken like a true Martian, Mr. Luchar. Now, if you'll tell me the name of the client... The client, of course, will be the Martians. You don't give up, do you? Give up? The gag, I mean. Oliver! Yes, Mr. Ryan? This is Mr. Luchar. Oh, how do you Mr. do? Mr. Luchar claims to be a Martian. Take him outside, will you, Oliver? I am happy to see, Mr. Ryan, that my telling you I am a Martian has approximately the effect I guessed it would. I believe we can do business. I have here cash retainer of $5,000. Five thousand. 
Oliver, take a look at that wad of lettuce. It's the real stuff, Mr. Ryan. And my client is prepared to spend many times that amount. Oh, sit down, Mr. Lucha. Oliver, get the client a cigar, the 50-cent box. Yes, sir. Thank you. Well, now, what can I do for you, sir? I wish you to manage a publicity campaign. A very large and important campaign. Is the product established, or is it something brand new? Something quite new. Now, what would you judge the most effective type of campaign? Well, if the client has a lot of dough to throw around, a suspense campaign is best. First, you place ads in the paper saying, Watch this space. Then, about a week later, you run an ad saying XYZ or PDQ, and you get people guessing what it means. Then, finally, when you've teased them enough, you bust loose and unveil the product. Excellent. We will conduct a suspense campaign. Of course, in this kind of campaign, secrecy is very important. Once the name of the product leaks out, it spreads like wildfire and the whole campaign is kafloppo. Quite so, quite so. The utmost secrecy. Ah, you realize, of course, these things cost like crazy. Would, say, one million dollars cover expense? Come again? I said, would one million dollars cover it? Why, yes, I am at... You did say, uh, a million... I understood that you have handled some very large accounts. Of course, if this is too big... No, no, not at all, not at all. I, as a matter of fact, I seldom touch anything less. Right, Oliver? Huh? Oh, oh, oh of course, that's right, Mr. Ryan. Absolutely right, <clears throat> yes. You will begin, then, by saturating the newspapers, the radio, the streetcars, with a very simple statement. Uh, what's that? I will write it on a card... Here you are. The Martians are coming. Say, that's not a bad teaser. Got that, Oliver? Yes, sir. The next ad will read, June 1st is Martian Day. June 1st is Martian Day. Uh, what happens on June 1st? The parade takes place. What parade? I wish you to arrange a parade up Fifth Avenue. You mean like the Macy Parade? Exactly. Except that the theme will be the world of tomorrow, the Martian world. My client would like it to be a gay affair. Balloons, clowns, pennants, pretty drum majorettes. Say, that sounds terrific. I might be able to interest the department stores in a tie-in. Fine. The parade will climax the campaign. On June 1st, the product will be unveiled. Good enough. Uh, by the way, Mr. Luchard, just uh, what is the product? Uh, what are we selling? Oh, no, Mr. Ryan. Secrecy, remember? Yeah, but after all... Mr. I... Ryan... All will be revealed to you in good time. For the moment, let us say that we are selling a concept. A concept? The concept of invasion from Mars. Sorrel Talent Agency... Uh, Sammy Sorrell, please. Uh, this is Sammy. Uh, this is Sid Ryan over at Publicity Associates. Listen, Sammy, how are you fixed for midgets? I got midgets. Fine, I need 40 midgets for a parade. 40, June 1st. And listen, Sammy, I want them dressed in little spacesuits. In little... Uh, you, you know, like men from Mars. Mars. Okay, and I want some movie extras, uh, maybe 50 of them. 50. Also rigged up like men from Mars. Make them look gruesome, got that? Gruesome. Also, I need some horses with pretty girls on top of them. Uh. Maybe you can get that bunch from Maroney's Traveling Circus, the one we booked for the Fireman's Parade in Albany last year. Yeah, I'll try, Sid. Never mind the expense. Just get me the talent. It sounds like you landed a big client there. Who is it? <laughs> it's a secret. I gotta hang now. Call me back, Sammy. All right. 
Ah, uh, how you doing, Oliver? Oh, fine, Mr. Ryan, just fine. I got a hundred small boys pasting little stickers. The Martians are coming on the subway platforms. Good. We got full-page ads in all the dailies. Good. And ten-second spot announcements on every local station. Good. It's costing a fortune. Good. The more it costs, the bigger our percentage. Spend like you were going to the electric chair, Oliver. Yes, sir. How are you making out in the parade? If it comes off, it'll be the biggest thing since Bonham invented the midget. I've got Macy's, Gimbal's, and Sacks to contribute floats. Everything is built around the Martian theme, see? Even the horses will have long feelers attached to them and funny-looking extra legs. It'll be sensational. That sounds fine, only... Uh... Only what? Mr. Ryan, we don't even know what we're selling. Oliver, my boy, do you think old Sid Ryan has been sitting here spending all this moolah and not putting two and two together? You mean you know who Luchar represents? Just by accident, understand? I have learned that Century Pictures is making a big new epic. One of those expensive pictures they make in secret and then spring on the public because they don't want the other studios to get the jump on them. What's the picture? A space opera titled Invasion from Mars. Get it? Oh. Oh, I begin to see. Also, by mere coincidence, it's supposed to have its premiere sometime around June 1st. You follow me? Yes, but... Uh... Mr. Ryan, Century has an exclusive contract with New Features Syndicate for all their publicity. Suppose Century Pictures doesn't like the way New Features is handling their stuff. They want to get out of the contract, but New Features says no, so they have to get around the contract. A man named Lucha, client unknown, starts publicizing the Martian invasion. <laughs> Need I go further? I don't know, Mr. Ryan. Sounds pretty far-fetched to me, but I don't know. That's what I like about you, Oliver. You're so innocent. <laughs> Now, let me talk to Commissioner Patrick, please. Sid Ryan. Hello. Commish, Sid Ryan. Oh. How are you, Ryan? Fine. What is it this time? You want to drop a man off the Empire State Building into a teacup full of water? The answer is no. <laughs> also, we're not arresting any fan dancers. You know I don't handle fan dancers. I want a permit for a parade. June 1st, 5th Avenue. It's a Sunday. There's no traffic. Now, look, Ryan, Macy's I... gets a permit. Gimbel's gets a permit. The American Legion gets a permit. The Sons of Aaron march every time Morton Downey sings the Warren of the Green. Oh, don't give me a hard time, Patrick. This is too big. I have the 5th Avenue Merchants Association behind me. <sighs> okay. Fill out the forms. I'll pass them along to the license commissioner. That's my boy. By the way, what's the occasion for this parade? Well, don't you read the papers, Patrick? June 1st is Martian Day. How is the campaign going, Mr. Ryan? Like wildfire, Mr. Lucha, like wildfire. Everybody and his brother is going along with the gag. Yesterday, we distributed 50,000 Martian hats to school kids. I got some of the merchants doing World of Tomorrow displays in their windows. Every big novelty manufacturer in town is climbing on the bandwagon. They want to get into the parade with floats, giveaways, anything. Everybody smells a buck to be made. I wouldn't be surprised if the mayor himself declared Martian Day. I've even arranged for Commissioner Patrick to accept a $50,000 check for the policeman's benevolent fund from the man from Mars. Oh, it's terrific, terrific. My blood pressure's up to 200. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, I, uh... I understand Century Pictures spent over a million bucks making that space opera. I beg pardon? Oh, come, come, Mr. Lucha. Sid Ryan wasn't born yesterday, you know. I know who our client is, even if you don't admit it. You do? <laughs> Always thinking that's me. Well, as long as you know, let's keep it to ourselves, shall we, Mr. Ryan? As you once remarked, when these things leak out, it destroys the surprise and ruins the effectiveness of the campaign. 
Ladies and gentlemen, this is Ken Daly speaking to you from our portable transmitter atop the reviewing stand for the much-heralded Martian Parade on Fifth Avenue. It's a beautiful sunlit day here in New York, a perfect day for a parade, and the streets are packed with thousands of spectators all eager to find out what this is all about. There's an air of shrill expectancy. Some of the kids and their parents have been camped on the curbstone since early this morning to be sure of ringside seats when the so-called Martians pass by. I've, uh, I've just had word from Saul Brown up at Central Park Mall that the Martians have landed from big pink balloons. And uh, now while we're waiting for the arrival of the parade, we brought some people up to our microphone to tell you their reactions to this most spectacular of all publicity stunts. Uh, that's right. Come on. Uh, what's your name, madam? Uh, Miss Ada Shackley. A little louder, please. Miss Ada Shackley. Uh-huh. And where are you from, Mrs. Shackley? Columbus, Ohio. I see. And I, I see you have your family with you, too. Uh, two little curly-headed blonde boys. Uh, are you in New York on vacation? We came for the Shriners Convention with their daddy. Uh, well, uh, what do you think of Martian Day, Mrs. Shackley? Well, it all seems very strange to me, but the boys have been pestering me to watch it, so we've been standing here two hours. I, I can't make head or tail of it. Well, uh, neither can a lot of other people, Mrs. Shackley. But judging by the thousands here today, there's a lot of curiosity. Curiosity killed the cat, folks say. <laughs> well, let's hope not. Uh, thank you, Mrs. Shackley. Mr. Ryan's uh, yeah, here. Yeah. Uh, Ryan, right. And uh, this is Mr. Sid Ryan, ladies and gentlemen, the publicity man who's the brains behind the Martian Day stunt. Hello, Sid. Good morning, Kenneth. Uh, easy, easy. Not so close to the mic. Oh, sorry, sorry. Hey, Sid, you've certainly lifted the lid this time. Looks like it, doesn't it? Sid, there's been a great deal of speculation as to exactly what all this is leading up to. I've heard some folks say it's a big war bond drive, uh, Others think it's just to stimulate local business. <laughs> and, uh, look, I, I understand in the trade itself, the smart, smart Money says you're building for the premiere of Century's forthcoming extravaganza, Invasion from Mars. Now, come clean. Can you tell us what the real story is? Ah, uh, I can. I'd like to, but honestly, I can't. Oh, man of mystery, eh? Are you going to watch the parade from the stand here? No, Ken, I can't stand noise. I'm going out to my office and watching company. <laughs> well, thank you, Sid Ryan, and good luck. And here they come, ladies and gentlemen. The first units of the big Martian parade, swinging down Fifth Avenue with fanfare, colored streamers, music, confetti, floats, all the traffics of a Mardi Gras. in weird-looking pink and blue spacesuits, carrying Rube Goldberg weapons with signs painted on them. See, I, I can read one which says, Atomic Blaster. Another one has a placard reading, We're, uh, we're Martian through Georgia. <laughs> and here come the clowns, laughing and falling all over each other. They're giving free sugar candy to the kids along the way. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, this is a happy, laughing crowd along Fifth Avenue today. A true reflection of the great sense of humor and good nature that makes America the place it is.
This is promised as the climax of the show. Now a great hush has fallen over the crowd. It's quite a sight to see these thousands of people standing here expectantly, hearing only the great regular sigh of their mass breathing. And now here they come, ladies and gentlemen, the Martians, marching in booted, helmeted ranks, row after row of them. Why, this is an impressive sight, ladies and gentlemen, and a rather serious contrast to the rest of the joyous slapstick parade we've witnessed. There are perhaps, oh, 200 tall, broad-chested men dressed in metallic gray spacesuits with thick glass visors drawn across their faces. Each is holding an ominous-looking ray gun at the ready position. They're marching in absolute silence, keeping step perfectly, as though some mute, unspoken command were marking time for them. The, the crowd seems rather grim and serious now. Perhaps they're reminded of the actuality of war and possible invasion. They stand solemnly, silently, watching. Even the children are awed. And now the first ranks of the Martians are moving past us, down Fifth Avenue toward the reviewing stands at the square. No one moves. What's that? What's happening? Oh, there, a woman, a woman, ladies and gentlemen. She dashed out into the street. For what reason, I don't know. She attempted to lift the visor of one of the Martian spacesuits, but just as she reached the Martian, she fell forward in a dead faint. I tell you, I've never felt such mass tension in a crowd as we're experiencing here right now, today. All sorts of rumors have begun filtering back through the audience. There are excited whispers of she's dead, she fainted, and now an undercurrent of... What? They're really Martians. This is an example of how a single incident can precipitate mass hysteria, ladies and gentlemen. I tell you, it's a mighty reassuring sight to see the blue uniforms of New York's finest spaced every ten feet or so along the avenue. Somehow, I, I can't explain it, this incident has begun to work on what was a moment ago a happy, carefree crowd. And the complexion is changing. Did you see that? A woman fainted. Of course I saw it. What do you suppose she saw? Oliver, old man, did I ever tell you you were too naive for this business? But that young woman ran out into the streets to get a close look at the Martians, and then she screamed and fainted dead away. I'm well aware of that, Oliver, since I paid her 50 bucks to do it. What? The dramatic moment, Oliver, the stock and trade of the good publicity man. Relax. Holy smokes, you sure think of everything. Yeah, for my share of this deal, roughly $100,000, I can afford to think of everything. Uh, shut the window. Don't you want to see the finish? We'll go down to the reviewing stand for the finish. Right now, I want to make a phone call. Uh, by the way, where's Lucha? I haven't seen him. Well, he'll be around. Boy, those Martians sure look like the real thing. How would you know the real thing if you saw it, Oliver? Oh, gee, I, I don't know. Uh, close the window, Oliver. Oh, yes, Mr. Ryan. Talent agency. Sammy, this is Sid Ryan. Say, listen, Sid, I was going to call you. I'm awful sorry about those Martians. What do you mean, sorry? They're terrific. Oh, don't joke, Sid. I mean it. Well, I mean it, too. They're great, great. Are you in the bag? Never felt better. 
You mean it, don't you? Of course I mean it. What is this? There are Martians in the parade? About 150. Of course, I only ordered 50, but Sid, under the circumstances... Sid. Well, what is it? Sid, don't you know? I couldn't get you a single movie extra. There's a studio strike in New York. I was going to call you, but I figured... Hey, wait a minute. I... Where'd these guys come from if you deny them? I don't know. Uh, maybe Oliver... Oh, hold on. Oliver? Yes, Mr. Ryan? Did you hire those Martians? No, sir, I... Sammy, this is on the level, isn't it? Honest, Sid, I... Okay, Sammy, I'll call you back. What's the matter, Mr. Ryan? I don't know. I just don't know. I've got to locate Lucha. What's Century Pictures number? Mr. Ryan, this is Sunday. Oh, yeah. Well, get me their publicity director, Marty Sanford, at home. Oh, yes, sir. Here you are. Thanks. Sanford. Uh, Marty, this is Sid Ryan. Oh, hello, Sid. How's the uh, Fine, fine. Uh, listen, Marty, this is dead serious. On the level, get it? What's wrong? I've got to locate Lucha. Uh, Lou who? Lucha, come on now, Marty. This is life and death. The guy you sent over to hire me for the invasion picture. Invasion picture? Invasion from Mars, the space opera. Are you, Batty? Marty. That picture was shelved last month. What? Sure, back in the can. Too expensive and too fantastic. The big shots decided you can't sell a Martian invasion to the American public. And I never heard of a guy named Lou... Mother of heaven. What is it, Mr. Ryan? You look terrible. That's too fantastic. What's too fantastic, Mr. Ryan? Is something wrong? Open that window. I want another look at those Martians. Yes, sir. Look at them. Oliver, you were in the army. Could 150 movie extras learn to march like that in, say, 24 hours? Not in 24 days, Mr. Ryan. Not a second's hesitation. Not one other step. Look at the way they carry those ray guns at the ready. The only other time I've seen troops march like that was in a film of the Nazi stormtroops marching through the streets of Paris. See those chests on them? That's pride. Sheer, arrogant pride. Look at those chins. That's contempt. Nobody could act like that. Mr. Ryan! Oliver, get down there. Find that woman who fainted. Her name's Gloria Montex. Get her up here. Make it fast. Sid Ryan. Oh, don't kid me. You're a Martian. Gloria, settle down. Now you're wearing a mask. Baby, it's me, Sid. And underneath, it's, it's awful. It's all big green eyes and those, those feelings like, like a catfish. Baby, snap out of it. Listen, what happened down there? You ran out and screamed like I told you, but the fainting, that wasn't in the act. Oh, go away, please. Go away. What'd you see? Oh, no, please. It's too awful. Please, please. Just one question, baby. Inside that helmet, what'd you see? You won't get anything out of her, Mr. Ryan. She needs a doctor. Okay, Oliver, I've heard enough anyway. You take care of Gloria here. Get her a drink. Where are you going? To see the commissioner. we got to stop this parade before things begin to happen. Okay, Ryan, what's the beef? Listen, Patrick, I don't know what it is, see, but something's wrong. you got to stop that parade. Now, I suppose you'd like the riot squad. That would get you a front-page spread on every paper in town. Honest, you publicity guys give me a pay. This may be a matter of life and death. Oh, sure, sure. Look, Ryan, I've got no time for your cheap publicity gags. I'm a busy man. Listen, I'm trying to tell you I don't know where these Martians came from, who they are, anything about them. All I want you to do is stop the parade and make sure they're on the level. Uh-uh, Ryan, I'm wise to your tricks. If you let the sergeant show you, you out... You won't do it, huh? 
An honest citizen appeals for protection, and you refuse it. I most emphatically do. Now beat it. All right, Patrick. I'll go right to the mayor's office. I'll have you busted flatter than a fried egg. Go ahead. I'm sure his honor will be glad to toss you out on that phony nickel-plated skull of yours. You heard me, Ryan. You cannot see the mayor. Adolph, please. This isn't a gag. I don't want publicity. All I want to do is maybe prevent something horrible from happening. In case you don't know it, wise guys, something horrible is already happening. A couple hundred little kids are in the hospital with tomaine poisoning from that phony Martian candy you passed out. Or didn't you know? I didn't. We've got to stop that parade. Sure, sure, you'd like nothing better than to start a panic now. Maybe a few hundred people would get trampled to death. Think of the newspaper space that would get you and your product. I won't stand for this, Adolf. You won't have to, because you're going to get out of here right now. Go on, beat it, get out. You and your publicity stunts make me sick to my stomach. Oliver, where are you? Uh, Oliver. Oliver! It is useless what? to scream at him, Mr. Ryan. Your friend is quite dead. Lucha. He wanted to run to the police with some story about a Martian invasion. I found it necessary to restrain him. Restrain him, you stinking murderer. Now, now Mr. Ryan, collect yourself. After all our planning, it wouldn't do to have everything spoiled, now would it? Lucha, start talking and talk fast, because when you get through, I'm going to take you apart piece by piece. What's this all about? But surely you know, Mr. Ryan, after all, you've been publicizing it for months. Listen, you... Please do not interrupt. You see, before colonizing your planet, we Martians sent advanced scouts to study your habits, your weaknesses... We found that the people on Earth are predominantly conditioned by advertising and publicity. And so, we conceived the idea of treating our entire invasion as a vast publicity stunt. Clever, huh? After all, Mr. Ryan, who would suspect an invader who advertised his invasion in the newspaper, invited the public to his surprise attack, and spent millions publicizing his plans? Holy jumping catfish. You've done very well. Then... There was no product. Ah, but there is a product. The product is death. What are you trying to do, Lucha? We Martians are a humane people, Mr. Ryan. We do not like to destroy thousands where a few hundred would suffice. In exactly two minutes, our troops will treat the world to a spectacle of death which will bring the rest of your planet to its knees in horror. Nations will clamor to surrender. Perhaps, Mr. Lucha, but not if I can help it. You... Yes, please? Operator, this is Mr. Ryan. Get me the field telephone on the reviewing stand of the Martian Day Parade. Hurry. Anyone in particular? Just hurry! Reviewing stand, Sergeant Cassidy. Get me Commissioner Patrick. Hello. 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 You'll have to talk loud. I want Commissioner Patrick. Oh. Patrick, Patrick! Wait, wait a minute. Th things are quieting down. Uh, now, what was it you wanted? This is Ryan. I have to talk to the commissioner. It's a matter of life and death. Oh, I'm sorry. You can't talk to him now. The chief Martian is presenting the PBA check to him. The Martians are going to fire a salute. Listen, you got to stop him. What? Stop him! Oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Ryan. You I... idiot, the worst! It's going... operator. I'm sorry, Mr. Ryan. You've been cut off. I can't seem to get them back. 
Doesn't matter, operator. Nothing matters now. X-1 has brought you The Parade, an original story written by George Lefferts. Featured in the cast were Joseph Curtin as Ryan, Joe DeSantis as Luchar, Alexander Scorby as Daly, Agnes Young as The Woman, Ellen Deming as Gloria, John Thomas as Oliver, Arthur Anderson as Sammy, Wendell Holmes as The Commissioner, and William Keene as Sanford, your announcer Don Pardo. X-1 was directed by Fred Way and it's a transcribed NBC Radio Network production. If you enjoyed that golden age of radio production, be sure to follow the Riley and Kimmy Show. We feature old-time radio shows from time to time. We have archived episodes available right now on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. Some of them have old-time radio episodes on them. Please tell your friends about the Riley and Kimmy Show. Help us grow. Our social media links are available on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. That's R-I-L-E-Y and Kimmy, K-I-M-M-Y dot com. If you friend, follow, and like us, we will friend and follow you back. Also, be sure to check out our website, events page, and our social media pages for updates where the Riley and Kimmy show will be appearing next. And we're available for your pop culture event and also those that are animal-based, about pets and animals too. We have a spinoff show called Animal Special. So be sure to tell your friends about us. It's the Riley and Kimmy show, the nerd variety talk show with daily pop culture episodes. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Find archive podcasts of The Riley and Kimmy Show at RileyandKimmy.com. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.